Welcome to No Time Like Now, where an aspiring artist and our aspiring filmmaker explain current events to you. I'm the aspiring filmmaker, Sumana. And I'm the artist, Yasmin. And uh, I think we would cue the music at this point. Like, tell me about your week. I want to know all about it. Um, this past week has been kind of, kind of dead for me. Honestly, I haven't really done anything. Oh, I did. Oh, I did go to a protest on Monday. I forgot it was on Monday, but um, that was the thing yeah. that I went to. How uh, was it that? was the one. It was it was good. Um, I went to a rally in um, back, like close closer to my house, and then I went downtown for the George Floyd Memorial March. Mm-hmm. And it was really empowering. It was really, it was really, it was really motivating. And I feel like we really did a lot during that march. So that's awesome. Like I'm I was really, really glad you went. Giving my voice. Yes. Thanks. Thanks. So what else have you been doing? Uh, I've I've been watching Disney Plus. To be honest, just like rewatching my favorite. Um, Disney cartoons like Gravity Falls and Star versus Forces of Evil and all that stuff. Bro, I want to watch those. I have been catching up on Avatar and like I found a site to watch uh, Legend of Korra, so I was watching it, but it was like flipped backwards. It was funny, but like oh dang, <laughs> it was uh, it was cool. So yeah, I was just watching those two things, and then apparently they put Card Captor Soccer on Netflix. So like. All of this, like, childhood animation stuff that I uh, have very fond memories of is, like, on Netflix for some reason, and I'm super excited, so that's the tea. They listen to you. (laughs) That's the tea. Um, In this episode, we... Well, actually, we're gonna do, like... I'm thinking about splitting this into three parts, hopefully. Um, So we're going to be talking about um, LGBT history from the 1950s to current uh like the 2020s 2020 it's not really the 2020s yet it's like one 2020 the beginning of 2020s um so yeah so i will be the one who does the research and stuff and sumana will be adding her amazing commentary and then uh we are going to be doing another episode where sumana does the research for that and that's going to be lgbt media and representation as well as like just like i guess just like the current culture and um like we're probably gonna discuss rights and like how we can continue to get more social equality and stuff also like kind of just going over how um lgbt representation could be better and also um what was it the also also like the kind of like marketing aspect of lgbt and pride as well oh yeah i don't know if you guys like, I don't know if you guys, like, see during June, which is Pride Month, like, all the stores come out with their rainbow uh, clothes and their, rain- and like, their pride gear and all the other stuff. So we'll also look at the marketing aspect as well. Right. Just going to put this out there. Like, if you are interested in showing your support for Pride and, you know, uh, getting some merch to represent yourself or represent people around you, find artists that are lgbt and support them and buy their work because you that's honestly the best way yeah because when you buy things from this corporation from these corporations they are not 
they don't give a crap about rights and stuff like that. They just want to make money. And, like, that's not what it should be about. It's all and capitalism. if you are looking to support, you know, pride and, like, support LGBT, or if you are looking to represent yourself, go find other people in part of that community and also just support them, too. Because, I don't know, just, like, mutually beneficial. Take down those yep. big corporations. Target, I'm looking at you. Just kidding. That was just a joke. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> screw capitalism. <laughs> Cap- I don't know why I said it like that, but screw capitalism. Capitalism. <laughs> I can't even say it right. I'm just that disgusted with it. So that's the tea. I've been saying tea so much lately. Like, it's kind of my trademark phrase now. Okay. That but- and I hate it here. I, I hate it here. <laughs> I really do. I don't like it in the United States. It's getting a little bit... It's getting a little... I mean, it was pretty blech, but it's, like, extra blech. Because yeah. we have, like, a booty leader. Ugh. Booty leader. That's one way to put it. Booty leader. Okay, anyway. Yes. Uh, I digress. So, what I'm going to be talking about is I'm going to be talking about the 1950s um, and kind of, like, LGBT history in the 1950s. Um... I know it seems like kind of black because it's like that's so old and that that's before Stonewall, but it's actually like very interesting. And the 1950s sets the stage for Stonewall in so many ways. Just uh, just give it a shot. Just try it out. Like I'm sure it'll be a lot more interesting than you think it is. Especially like if you're into like McCarthyism, the Red Scare, like conformity, like all that stuff that happens in the 1950s really plays into what happens with the LGBT, what happens with the LGBT community and like, the movement. Also, one thing I do want to address is, like, with my 1950s history, we won't be exploring the nuances of the movement. So, like, um, after Stonewall, like, I'm definitely going to start talking about how transgender and especially, like, African-American, like, Black people were excluded and other races started to get excluded from the movement. Like, unfortunately, things like that did happen, and I will be talking about that because it's important, but I'll, I will be talking about that in the next uh part because yep. I couldn't find that much information from the 1950s. Um okay, so now let me start. <laughs> let me give now my 30 start. minute introduction and then I'll start. Um okay, so the 1950s uh, it, it's right after, you know, the Second World War and so, you know, uh, tensions with, you know, communism are high. Um, it's communism. it's <laughs> communism. Woo. Um, people are scared, and also, you know, this idea of the nuclear bomb has risen, and people are also there's this underlying fear in society that we're all gonna die, basically. Um, so people find- not like we just had a world war either. <laughs> um, so sort of like this age of conformity starts. Uh, after the war because people want stability. So this is where you see, like, the suburbs pop up. You kind of see this, like, you know, uh, this, like, gender roles start to become... They come back into place after the war. Because, like, you see during the war, uh, women gain lots of freedoms. They gain uh, quite a bit of autonomy. But after, Mm -hmm. because of this age of conformity, they're like, everything needs to go back to normal. Like, quote-unquote normal. I mean, that this shouldn't be normalized. I want to say that especially in 2020, like, gender roles are just a construct. Misogyny shouldn't be normalized. Yes, for sure. So, um, (laughs) underneath this conformity is the youth counterculture. So, like, rock and roll starts to get popular, but, like, it's with the youth, like... So, like, 
Oh yeah. Basically, if you watch the movie Grease, <laughs> that's kind that's kind of what it is. Yeah. So yeah. So like I mean, the youth are rock and rolling and like kind of rebelling a little bit. Um, and you'll definitely like in the sixties and seventies, like that youth becomes the next generation. Like you'll see a lot of that. Um, and also everybody, everybody's name is Deborah. Um, <laughs> and so like all the all the what? house. I just I was about to say all the house ladies. Um. All the like stay-at-home moms, they're all like, "Hello, is this Deborah? Deborah's res- residence?" And then they're like, "Yes, this is." What Americans she. are British? Oh yeah, I don't know why. I just did a British accent. In the 1950s, they were. Hey, hey, is this Deborah? Yeah, this is Deborah. Oh my god, we're both named Deborah. Wow. <laughs> uh, do you want to go attend uh, Deborah's Tupperware party? Yes, I do. I thought it was Deborah. Not, no, it's Deborah. There's a difference. <laughs> Her name can't be Deborah. She's not conforming. <laughs> <laughs> she must conform. Call Senator McCarthy on her. Okay, anyway. Um, Bro, this, that low-key sounds like a dystopian type of st- st- thing. Like, conforming to one thing. Like, I, low-key all that was. stuff. Because, like, I'll talk about McCarthy. Like, I'll actually get into McCarthy- McCarthyism in a second. Um, and you'll kind of see, like, how they're infringing on people's rights and, like, their freedoms in the name of freedom. Like, I'll get into that in a second. Anyway, so the cult of domesticity uh-huh. and the Christianity uh, and the Christianity and Christianity experienced, a resur- like, a resurgence as well as the ideal nuclear family model. So, like, the cult of do- domesticity is just this thing that uh, has been very prominent in America in, like, the 1800s where it's, like, the ideal woman stays at home, she's domestic, she raises the children. So, like, it's called the cult of domesticity. I, I think cult is actually culture. Um, and then Christianity, because, like, I think people are like, if you're religious, then, like, we won't all die from bombs or something like that. I don't know. Essentially, everybody's living in, like, la-la land in this bubble, you know, and there's so much there's so much tension under the surface. And so that bubble kind of pops in the 60s and 70s. Okay. So also during this time, McCarthyism and the Red Scare is in full swing. And so basically McCarthyism is this idea where it's like everybody's afraid of communists and communism because of like the Cold War that's happening and the war that just happened. So like Senator McCarthy is, he's just like, he starts making these lists of people who might have communist ties or like seem to be like a little bit like unloyal or like they're not very like uh patriotic towards the government or something and he's like these people are communists and we need to arrest them and put them in jail because they are a national security threat um but that's basically mccarthy uh (laughs) i think maybe maybe he had like some people that he wanted to get rid of and so he put them on the list like oh yeah my ex-wife she's a communist oh yeah my my my, uh, mother-in-law she's a communist (laughs) They're all communists. Get rid of them. <laughs> my son's <Anyway>. dog. <laughs> communist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my son's dog. He was waving around one of those red flags. It looks like a communist flag. I don't, I don't know if it was, but it looked like it. Like, <laughs> let's try to get rid of him, too. Are you waving around an American flag? There's red on it. Communist. <laughs> okay. It's just like people are re- were really, like, gullible back then. They it's really were. For that type of stuff. And honestly, like, that... That idea of people being gullible and like because of fear, it, it carries on today. Like you, that's how Trump became president. <laughs> yeah, literally. Like, you know, you have to 
sit for a moment and, and consider all options and you know you can't let fear be the thing that guides your decisions you have to like really just sit down and rationalize your fears okay anyway you're talking uh, to the wrong people yasmin <laughs> no one in america can think rationally <laughs> oops canada <laughs> canada maybe um okay so what i was saying about mccarthyism is it's very ironic because people fear communists during this time and they think democracy and freedom will be like taken away but you know, that's exactly what McCarthy did. He took people's democracy and freedom away in the name of saving freedom from communism. So, like... That doesn't make sense. Yeah. And honestly, like, that, it's so parallel to kind of what's going on right now with, you know, people are antagonizing these protesters and antagonizing these people who want justice uh, in the name of, like, being a national security threat. Um, that's what Trump is doing right now, and it's not right, and... Like, you can't antagonize your own people when they want justice. You gotta give them what they want, man. That's kind of what happened in Hong Kong, too. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, We don't want a repeat of that. These patterns are just, like, it's crazy how, like, they just keep happening. Okay, I keep digressing. Okay, along with this uh, red scare <laughs> is something known as the lavender scare. Um, and so gay men and lesbians were said to be national security risks and communist sympathizers. Um, so the, people were like, okay, so we need to take them out of the government. Like if they have jobs in the government, we need to get rid of them. Um, you know, we need to fire them because they're a national security threat. Thousands of people lose their jobs and the government conducts like several raids. And how did McCarthy come up with like the gay and was the gays and the lesbians being communists? Because because they like the same genders or or not or not McCarthy but like because they, they like the same gender they also like communism. I, okay, wait. I I have so it wasn't. I don't think it was strictly McCarthy. I think it was like kind of just like this culmination over time of like you know what we decided we the gays are a threat or whatever. I don't know. Uh, but so uh, the rhetoric of the Red Scare is basically like they kind of invoke these ideas of morality connected with homosexual people. So it's like. You're not you're not morally just if you're homosexual, um, and also they oh said, because you're homosexual yes and then also uh -huh. if you're a communist you're also not morally just so both are viewed as like sinful. Um, <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um, and so also it's like one of the I guess like justifications for targeting LGBT people was like, and I said justifications with air quotes because it's not. Uh, mm -hmm. it's like they are a security risk because if they're living if they think they can keep a secret from the government or if they feel like they need to keep a secret from the government and living this double life as a you know as an LGBT member then they're not loyal to the government and they could be a communist because they're not loyal and they they're not mentally be. stable That that's basically what they're saying interesting and like basically they lack morality and they lack mental strength strength and so, like, therefore, they share traits with communists and are more likely to be communists. Like, it's ridiculous. So this whole thing started because stereotypes on stereotypes on stereotypes. Yeah, pretty much. Especially, like, gay men. Like, there's this rhetoric floating around that, like, they're physically and mentally weaker. And, like, I mean, it's they treat gay men similar to how they treat women during this time, where it's like both of them are mentally less stable and mentally... Uh, weaker and physically weaker and stuff but that's just not true like it's just so dumb yeah because the stereotype is that um gay men are more f feminine than masculine because they like 
the same the same sex right but and like i've seen i've seen like masculine gay men like 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 really buff gay guys and like i've seen gay guys who are not masculine or whatever that doesn't mean they're any less of a man that they are like if they're cisgender if they're trans like that's a whole nother thing but like you know i think like what you're saying is right like it's not fair to stereotype people based on like one thing yeah one thing especially when it's not true like it just doesn't ugh. yeah just like just like the lgbtq plus however many letters there are is like a spectrum there's a spectrum of like you know like how like who's more masculine who's more feminine or who's non-conforming or whatever so there's a lot more layers to it yeah it's definitely a lot more nuanced like gender is defined by these roles we're supposed to fulfill and these roles you know in my opinion don't hold true like okay anyway sorry exactly we can we can share thoughts on that later let me move so so i've kind of given context as to what's going on i guess politically in the 1950s um and like kind of like what the culture is and so now i'm going to narrow it down to like the notions of like sexuality and orientation and so like how people characterized it in the 1950s so basically um there's this idea of homosexuality homosexuality and like lgbt as a disease which is so messed up. Um, so mm-hmm. basically, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, which is the DSM, uh, this is the first DSM to be published in 1952. Mm-hmm. And basically, the DSM is this, like, basically, it's a manual for psychologists and psychiatrists because, um, uh, interestingly enough, therapy becomes, like, kind of popularized in the 1950s. Like, mental health actually becomes kind of a thing, which is actually really interesting. Where did that go? <laughs> I don't know. That's a really good question. Uh, so, okay. So it, cat- it categorizes homosexuality as sociopathic personality disturbance. Like, what does that what? even mean? That's like, okay. So sociopathic personality disturbance. I, I don't know. That's like, if, you know, when like someone is trying to be smart, so they're using words they don't really like understand or like they don't know the meaning of the words, but they're using them anyway. <laughs> And they just put it all together. According to my, oh my uh, manual, you have a sociopathic personality disturbance. <laughs> and you're just like, what? <laughs> okay, anyway. Uh, okay. Uh, so, sure. this this quote-unquote sociopathic personality disturbance yes. <laughs> was thought to be very difficult to treat and required either psychoanalytic treatment or aversion therapy to fix. And so, oh, no. psychoanalysis was started by Freud. You know, good old Freud the droid. Um, oh, we love Freud. It's basically therapy. Well, Freud did do good, some good things. Like, I think psychoanalysis was actually, like, pretty awesome. Uh, basically, it's therapy that deals with delving into the unconsciousness and past, and, like, your past experiences to see how it affects you now, like, unconsciously. So, like, let's say you have some trauma when you're younger, like, uh, with spiders. Like, you get bit by a spider, and now you're, like, super afraid of spiders and, like, are repulsed by them. Well, then psychoanalysis kind of explores that connection that you have in your past. Um, mm. and so basically- Also, you might be gay. <laughs> um, we'll see. Uh, believe- Okay, so it was believed, like, with the psychoanalysis approach that, uh, you know, an unhealthy household could manifest homosexuality, um, which I honestly don't believe is true. I think you're- you're born as a homosexual. Um. No, but, like, low-key, that's kind of a stereotype, though. 
or not a stereotype, but like like a stereotype and also like kind of a commonality because I have a lot of friends who kind of experience that, like like growing up in a household that wasn't really comfortable for them. And then later they realized that they were um, homosexual or like on, on the spectrum. So maybe the reason it was uncomfortable for them was because initially they were like homosexual. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think an uncomfortable household causes. Oh, yeah. I th- I think I think you said it better. Like they they were uncomfortable in their household because of the fact that they were like that. Yeah. Or th- I, that like they were born like that. I think that's a very real possibility. What this is saying is that like it's believed that if you grow up in an unhealthy household, you can it turns you into a homosexual. Basically saying if there's something wrong with your oh. life, if there's something wrong that happens to you, this is the this is the quote unquote negative effect that happens as you become homosexual, and basically okay yeah no yeah no that's not that's not oh continue I was gonna say like that's not it <laughs> yeah some of these quote unquote unhealthy household you know behaviors include a a mother that might be a little bit more dominating or a father that is absent just like stuff like that also the mother that is more dominating mm-hmm. is that implying that like. If your mom is a is a boss, <laughs> low key low key misogyny right there. Yeah, it, like it's very misogynistic and like, ugh, it's just who let, gross. Who, who let this happen? <laughs> That's a great who let question. men be superior? I don't know. Ugh. Anyway, um, so the different so another type of therapy is aversion therapy, and this one's disgusting. Like, so aversion therapy is a behavioral therapy where it's basically saying that. If you have a type of behavior that you don't like or, like, someone else doesn't like, they can put you in therapy and it's designed to make you uh, averse to that behavior and, like, not, like, doing because you associate it with something unpleasant. So. Isn't that conversion therapy? Yeah, I think so. It's, like, aversion therapy, conversion therapy. So, like, basically what they would do is, like, I don't even want to get into it because, like, it makes me very uncomfortable. But, like, they would they would make gay men sit down and, like, they would show them like pictures and it, it administer like electric shocks in in tandem with that so that they would associate their homosexuality with uh pain um and so this did not work it was basically just torture but you know people thought it would well, work for some reason it just it sounds like you need therapy it sounds like you need therapy after this therapy to be honest um that basically sums it up but also it's not the way to go Mm-mm. But, like, back then they didn't know any better, and they thought that would work. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So that's kind of, like, notions of sexuality in the 1950s. Um, eventually, and I believe the nineteen, the late 1970s or late 1980s, in, like, the third edition of the DSM, which is that, like, psychology book, um, uh, homosexuality is completely removed from the DSM. Because DSM is, like, it's, like, a disorder manual. It, like, it's a, it's, like what people classify as disorders or, like, diseases and stuff like that. So, like, it was finally taken mm-hmm. out in, the, like, the 1970, late 1970s, early 1980s. So that that's nice, I guess. Um, that's cool. Yes. Um, okay, so there are a couple societies that formed before the Stonewall Riot in the 1950s, and so I'm going to list two of them. Founded in 1950 in LA uh, as one of the earliest gay rights organizations was the Mattachin M- Mat- Mattachin hmm? Society. Mattachin. Mattachin. I, I, I read it as Mattachin. 
Mattachine? Okay, we'll go with that. Was the Mattachine Society, and they kind of, like, called for, like, gay people to stand up to homophobic discrimination. Uh, They sponsored discussion groups for, like, homosexuals and, like, LGBT members, and essentially these discussion groups, like, really helped people come out and, like, um, helped people really, like, connect and share their fears with other individuals and be like, oh, I'm not alone. Like, this is not right. We need to, like, fix, you know, our oppression and stuff like that. And so mm-hmm. this was, uh, the society was founded by Harry Hay. Um, they, so he, him and other leaders tried to advocate for the gay community and culture, but they were shut down in the mid, mid like, 50s by, like, the gov- government, I think. Um, but yeah. So that's kind of, like, an early society wow. that forms. And I think kind of sets the stage for future societies to come. And then another society is called the Daughters of Belitis. I tried. Um, and so this is the <laughs> first tried. It's the first lesbian civil rights group founded in 1955. At first, it was an alternative uh, to, like, group meetings because bars kept getting raided. Um, and it kind of turned into activism. Later on, like, they would come help young girls and, like, uh, eventually, like, other LGBT members you know, um, come out and, like, accept themselves and get help. This society actually lasts for a while. I don't know when it ends, but I'd say, I think it goes for a good, like, 15 years at least. So, like, they do a lot of great work. So that starts in the 1950s. Also, during the 1950s, uh, notions of sexuality start to change because, like, the Kinsey Report gets published, and so Alfred Kinsey is this... Oh, I know about this. Yes, he's, like, this dude who was, like, um, I think he was a zoologist initially. He publishes two reports. Wait, what? I don't know, man. I, I read he that was somewhere. An, he, was a, he was an animal scientist, and then he's all of a sudden like, let's talk about human sexuality. S- study some humans. Okay, so, yeah, he published two reports, uh, one for male sexuality and one for female. And mm-hmm. he, basically his reports implied that homosexuality is a lot more common in normal society than thought. Although his methods Yeah, maybe. Were, yeah. So although his methods were a little bit shady and his number of almost 10% of men having homosexual tendencies, I think is actually much less. Like, re- it's recorded to be like 1% to 5%, I think, now. Um, so although although his methods were shady and stuff, it's still, like, made... Like, it, it was a huge uh, social leap, essentially, um, and it really challenged that belief of homosexuality homosexuality being really rare and being, like, uh, fostered by quote-unquote unpleasant household and being taboo. Um, yeah. And it was because it, it just, it seemed to be a lot more common. So that was a huge, like, leap for the community. So, yeah. So despite all this, like, persecution that happens to the gay community and, like, the LGBT community in the 50s, it really sets up the framework for the great for like the gay rights movement in the in the late sixties and seventies. So, yeah. Um, so that's all the tea Yay. I have for now. That's the fifties. Like I really really enjoyed reading about this because there was just so much I didn't know, um, and I'm honestly like really proud of all the research I did. Um, and there's a lot more to come. There's a lot more to come. So that's the tea. What did you think about the nineteen fifties? <laughs> It was a lot more uh, progressive than I thought in terms of, like, um, setting the stage for the gay rights movement. Right. Me too. Like, I I thought it would be very, like, low-key and, like, it would be a lot of, 
just like oppression and it was but also there were people who fought back and i think that's super awesome um yeah we and we don't learn about this stuff in history unfortunately we do we don't my te- my u.s history teacher did teach us about like the daughters of Belitis and the Mattachine Mattachine society like i think it was in one of our textbooks and like he did very briefly cover it but and i think maybe the kinsey report but yeah it's yeah, just, the, the kinsey report's pretty popular yeah. like i know a lot of people that have like taken the test and have have gotten like varying results on it like they're like this well, this is not me uh, <laughs> i'm not i'm not like i'm not this or whatever or i am this or like oh my god or like some people are like oh my gosh this this all makes sense now so it either like helps you or it doesn't help you right because the kinsey report has like that that test in it where it's like of scale of like how how homosexual you are or something like that <laughs> on a scale of one to ten how how much how much would you say that you're attracted to the same sex? Like, what does that accomplish? In my opinion, like, what does that accomplish? I don't know. I feel like I feel like you could figure that out for yourself. Yeah, like a test tells you, oh, you're five, you're five out of ten attracted, then you're probably gay. Like, yeah, it's the middle, five out of ten. Like that good old Kinsey scale. It's just so crazy that like, especially with all the like the red scare rhetoric rhetoric going around in the McCarthyism that like. For some reason, it for some reason it was like, oh, let's just pick on like gay people for some reason. Like, I don't know. I'm just yeah, thinking like, about that, and it's like I feel like a lot of that kind of sets the stage for like why people are so anti-gay right now. It's just like they're communists, yeah, or like this like underlying rhetoric that was spread in the 1950s, like still affects people today and is still floating around today. So like. Yep, yep. We've got to keep fighting against that. We don't want history to repeat itself. Right. Um, I mean, we are seeing those patterns. Also, I can't wait to talk about, like, the... <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm dying. Um, I can't wait to talk about, like, uh, more of, like, the 2010s and now, too, because I think what's happening right now is, like, essentially there's, like, a movement happening for, like, transgender and non-binary people right now. Um, mm-hmm. Because I feel like they more than, like, ho- like... Uh, people who are homosexual and bisexual and stuff, they've had to fight a lot to gain for acceptance and stuff. But I think more so transgender and non-binary people because gender is so instilled into, like, our education and, like, how we think. And, like, things are very, like, binary. It's, like, either you're male or female. You know, that thought process mm-hmm. is very it's very deeply rooted in society. So I think uh, there's going to be, there might be, like, another movement coming up for, like, transgender and non-binary people. I don't know. That's just the theory. A podcast theory. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, because transgender people and non-binary people, like, um, outsiders don't really know about, like, what what their deal is, you know? Because they're, like, transgender, oh, that just means you're... You know, like like you be, you were you were a man now you're a woman or you were a woman now you're a man like that's that's kind of the basics of it but there's a there's like more to that 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 transgender people are trying to um, educate others about and then non-binary means and then non-binary is like you're non you're not conforming to any gender role or anything or not no gender like you're not just male you're not just female like maybe you're both maybe you're neither like that's kind of what they're trying to educate others about as well so i really hope that this movement educates people about the t part of the lgbt (laughs) 
and like and also like the non-binary as well yeah and like what and like what you were saying uh about like you know gender being a spectrum like i think that's completely true like it's like there is no this or that option like you know it's a, it's a lot more complicated than that and like of course mm-hmm. i think as two cisgender females we aren't the the right people to explain this but we're trying yeah. our best and like we, we can only we can only explain with like research and yeah that kind of stuff but if you want like a first person account you'd want to go to like maybe your friend who's transgender your friend who's non-binary who would be happy to explain who would be more than happy to explain it to you because that means that you're if you're curious about that that means you want to know more about it right that means you care about them so obviously they would want to explain it to you yeah i think the so the best i highly thing, encourage that i think the best thing to do to learn about like or to educate yourself and to strive to support and accept you know your friends or family that um associate as lgbt or non-binary um is to just like you know start a conversation because once you get like like it's scary to start those conversations because you Mm -hmm. it's like challenging because like you know anything that goes against your beliefs you believe might go against your beliefs you know it's scary because like (laughs) you you just don't want to think about that but you have to and you have to accept you know that you can't your beliefs maybe aren't always right or maybe your beliefs you need to integrate you know this new knowledge into your beliefs so yeah 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 100 percent. you kind of cut out there a little bit but um (laughs) (laughs) i'm like yeah 100 percent. i didn't hear anything you said but yeah i agree with you Um, thank you (laughs) no but yeah like um it is it is a little difficult to get into if like you grew up all your life thinking lgbt people are spawns of the devil or whatever that, that's very extreme but like if you were if you were grown up on that belief then obviously it's going to be difficult for you to you know kind of um get to know that get to know that but if like your best friend that you've grown up with your whole life they come out to you and they're like hey i'm gay hey i'm bi i'm trans i'm whatever like or, or like i i feel like i'm not i feel like i'm non-binary or whatever you want to be there for them because they probably don't have anyone else to go to they have you to go to so exactly uh, if you have a friend who is going through a rough time because of their sexuality or because of their gender just like their I don't, I don't know what the word is but like when you're when you're like struggling with your gender I, there's a there's a term for it but if that's happening like you got to be there for your friend like be there for them right. I, like on, and like if you're not sure about someone's gender don't like, like, don't be afraid to ask, like, hey, like, what are your pronouns? Like, she, her, they, them, he, he him, his. Like, that's how I, one of my friends, like, they're non-binary. And I literally came up to them and was like, hey, what are your pronouns? And now we're, like, best friends. Aww, so that's so cute. And, like, also it's, yeah. keep in mind that, like, just because someone identifies as LGBTQ, uh, non-binary, things like that, it doesn't make them less human than you. You know, they're just a person yeah, who exactly. wants to live their life. And if they want to if they associate as a gender and or as a certain gender you know just roll with it because you know that's who they are you know a trans man mm-hmm. is a man and a trans woman is a woman and a non-binary yeah. person is a they or whichever they're non they they're not they're a non they're a non-binary person yes so sorry for preaching our heads off look at us two cisgender females 
Well, I'm just speaking from my experience with having a lot of friends in, who, who are non-binary and who are in that spectrum because I love them and I want y'all to love your non-binary friends as well. Right. And all your other friends too. Yes. They're just people and like you need to treat... I'm, well, I don't want to say you because I don't know who's listening, but like I guess people who don't understand or are like afraid of stuff need to understand that, you know, you just treat them the same as you treat any other person because that's who they are. They're just a person, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that goes for any minority, but right now we're talking about gay people and LGBT people, so. Right. There you go. Yeah. Just everybody's a person and we got to respect that, got to respect beliefs, got to respect gender identification i don't know uh there you go gotta just just respect it just respect 100 respect r-e-s-p-c-t find out what it means to me (laughs) yeah there you go exactly um okay anyway thanks so much for listening um make sure to subscribe on apple podcasts or spotify um we will be doing a part two of our history um, and that will include the Stonewall Riot and um, I believe maybe the White Knight Riots or something like that. I was reading a little bit about that and I think it's important to share because nobody history. knows about that. I didn't know about it at all. Um, I don't think anyone knows about LGBT history, to be honest. Yeah, I think it's the most, probably the most, um, like, ignored. Underrated. Yeah. I- ignored, underrated, yeah. Um. So yeah, so that's the tea. Um, Anyway, stay tuned and goodbye. Bye-bye.